Hey there, my name is Chris Trinetti, and I am the host of Open-Minded Chris, which is the first ever podcast and in-person meetup hybrid. The OMC podcasts feature insights and recaps from our weekly in-person gatherings, as well as some of my personal insights based on what I'm reading, working on, listening to, or thinking about. Twice a month, our community gets together for discos, which are in-person conversations exploring curiosities, ideas, relationships, and anything else on our minds usually fueled by some form of alcohol and or caffeine. Discos are held all throughout Chicago in different neighborhoods, at cafes, bars, and co-working spaces with our tight-knit community of, as the name suggests, open-minded individuals. Today's episode is part two of the two-part special series on instincts and purpose. Episode number four covered instincts, so as you might have guessed, this one covers its counterpart, purpose. The entire discussion was inspired by the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which resulted in one of my favorite contributions in all of the discos thus far. One of the discours describes how he found his purpose at age five and how he thinks about it 20-some-odd years later. We also re-examined Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which led us to asking some pretty philosophical questions, uh, some very difficult questions around purpose and how it relates to our modern society and even our own internal minds. We also covered uh, dinner guests that we would like to have, dead or alive, and our favorite restaurants, spots in the city. So with that, I bring you episode number five. Hope you enjoy. are live with episode number five and part two of our special on instincts and purpose. If you listened to part one on instincts, thank you and I hope you liked it. And if you didn't, well, you're going to be shit out of luck. No, this one's fine as a standalone episode, but they are related and high level how they're related. Well, Everyone talks about purpose and destiny and meaning, and if, if we do have purposes and, and if we are to honor them, instincts are going to point us in the right direction. We touched on uh, the true north leadership theory, which is basically honoring the authenticity uh, in ourselves as leaders and pairing that with our ethics or drawing out our ethics and values to apply those in whatever we're doing. And that is going to be what creates great leaders uh, in a leadership crisis, as Bill George, the CEO of Medtronic, calls it. We are living in a leadership, an era of leadership crisis with business and and politics. Uh, but but having more authentic leaders and having those people rise to the top, uh, supported by their their ethics and their values, is what will lead to no pun intended. Uh, a positive outcome for shareholders, for organizations, for customers, and for individuals, uh, and even our, our broader society and our communities of which those organizations impact. So purpose, that's the goal in our lives, right? You know, One might say purpose, one might say happiness. Uh, I think the two are intertwined, as we will soon hear. 
but instincts are going to be, you know, and things like finding our true north are going to be what help us get there. Whether you want to call it your heart, your gut, your instincts, a little angel on your shoulder, uh, a little guru sitting in your, in your body telling you what to do. All of these metaphorical ways to describe the voice that our brains are just, for how complex and smart they are, they just don't know how to articulate feelings and trust and, and, and what our, our guts are telling us. So I like to start off these episodes with just some observations. This was disco number three. We are having our fourth tomorrow. And this was an interesting group. No one knew each other, but everyone knew that everyone is very close to me. Meaning, or you, you could feel that just from the way I interact with people. If, if we are close, I break down all walls and I either love up on you or make fun of you. But both are stemming from love. Uh, but so, and then some of the other discoers have heard me talk about the other ones in attendance and asked me about the disco leading up to it. And I said, oh, this person will be there. I gave them a little background. So everyone knew, no one knew each other. But everyone knew that they're very close friends with me. And this was our first all-guy group, which was very interesting because, uh, unsurprisingly so, it got a little heated. Uh, I don't know if it was because it was all guys, a little too much testosterone at the table, or the dynamic of being close with me and not really feeling like you need to be uh, as respectful because the way you talk with friends is much different than the way you talk with a a team, uh, you know, a, a a company team or people you're just meeting or friends of friends. So got a little heated, but hey, it's a it's all part of the process. I definitely think if there was a girl in there, it would not have had the outcome it did. So I I try to keep diversity, but actually the one girl that was supposed to come. And got caught up at work. And I feel like that's been, we've had three cancellations so far, which have been fine over the, the three discos. But it's been a product of work. So I might experiment with a Sunday disco. Actually, this disco tomorrow is our first ever pod club disco, which is just a book club for podcasts, which I am psyched about because I'm just excited to see how it goes, to see how... The topics I've been choosing, things like following your instincts, what is what does it mean to have purpose, or what does it mean to you? These are very broad topics that can go in a, a range of directions. So it'll be interesting to have something more guided. It's been a while. I started a book club in in, uh, in college for a summer, and it was it was pretty interesting. I thought it, it's hard. It's hard to be in a book club nowadays. People just don't read as much, don't read as often. Life gets in the way, and that becomes like priority number 18. So a podcast, in my eyes, is much more doable. Listen to something over the course of a few days, that's one to two hours, and then you talk about it, and you can reference a number of points and, and use it as a, as a guide. So as always, starting out with some intro questions. And this time we had some people from the suburbs, which is great. The first question was, who, if you could have any dinner guest, dead or alive, who would it be? 
and we had some interesting answers. Uh, Elon Musk, I don't, I don't think anyone would disagree that it would be awesome to have dinner with Elon Musk. Uh, another person said Mark Twain. Uh, I said Steve Case, who is the founder of AOL. He's just doing a lot of great things for the Midwest from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And yeah, I, I guess I could have chosen a better answer. But right now in my life, that's who I want to talk to. Maybe him or like, hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. He might be my live person. But then again, there's so many interesting people out there. And then someone said Otto von Bismarck, <laughs> who it was a terrible German accent. But he was, uh, the I think, the first chancellor of Germany in the, the late 19th century. And his claim to fame is... I had to look it up because, you know, admittedly don't know much about Otto von Bismarck, but he was behind or responsible for the unification of Germany, man, which led to Germany becoming one of the most powerful nations in Europe in the late 19th and early 20th century. So it's, I don't, sure. I mean, I'd, <laughs> hell, I'd have a, I'd have a drink with the guy. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I just, you know, wouldn't be my first. Anyway, then the next question was, what is your favorite restaurant and bar? Like, what's your go-to space, spot in Chicago? And I didn't, someone said, uh, it was funny, the, most of the answers were experiential. So we had Point and Feather, which is a place where you can go and play darts or play pool. Uh, Flight Club which again is a darts bar. It's basically like a, a pool, hall, bleh, pool hall for darts where you go and you get a table and you pay by the hour and you can just play darts. But it's like, it's a very tech enhanced uh, darts club. It's, it it's came from England. And I, the reason why I know a lot about it is because my, one of my partners is actually the, uh, he is the creator of it. So I've, I've been seeing him develop this concept over a while or, or help create it so but there's little iot internet of things tips or devices in each tip so basically in the way that you bowl and it automatically you know sensors or the machines pick up which pins are down and automatically scores your points assuming you're at a modern bowling alley it's it's like this for darts so it just automatically scores your games you can play uh, the traditional game versions, or they have like these digital arcadey ones where there's a screen and based on what you hit, it's you know interactive. So anyway, a lot of experiential stuff, which makes sense because our, especially millennials, uh, younger generations are opting for experiences over things, which is pretty cool. Uh, I said Colectivo Coffee. That's my favorite spot because you have so many different things going on. You can sit there, drink coffee and do work. You could grab beers with friends and talk. You can sit outside by a little fire, uh, fire pit. You can, yeah, sit outside when it's nice, sit inside and feel cozy. There's a bunch of different places to sit. So anyway, I, I like my personal preference are the spaces that are diverse in nature and you can do a bunch of things. All right, into the meat and potatoes. <laughs> I should probably think of a new way to describe the main topic, but so far, mean potatoes is working. I just gave you the uh, the green beans. Oh, man, Thanksgiving. We should do two Thanksgivings, or maybe a, a 
day of like a the halfway point instead of like a half birthday like a half giving where you know why should we give thanks once a year we should give thanks every day but we should do it with the meal just a toned down version instead of a turkey you just buy rotisserie chicken i guess i could just do this on my own anyway meat and potatoes the topic was as you know purpose and what it means to you and as a little backstory for this I was originally planning to make the topic on mental illness, and I, I eventually I will. You know, there was just something, uh, an article released. I can look it up, but I think the suicide rate rose to like 33% and over 40,000 deaths, which is as many. It's like in the ballpark of how many people are dying from car crashes. That is extremely sad. That there are almost 50,000 people a year that feel like they can no longer be on this earth. So anyway, I just think it's important to talk about mental illness, especially if you think of antidepressants and, and uh, you know psychotropic drugs. It will dip into things that are more uh, a little hotter of topics, a little more contentious. Um, I'm easing into this, all right, people? So anyway, I was trying to, or I was thinking about making the topic on mental illness, and I actually ran it by one of my friends, and he agreed. It might be a little hot for right now, uh, or depending on the audience, you, know, you can have differing, differing opinions and you, you upset some people. But then again, we should be able to, to experience and take in different opinions and, and acknowledge them and challenge our frame of reference and use it to better ourselves. And eventually we will. But one of the books, I instead of going with mental illness, I thought of uh, a book that that uh, that came to mind. And book rec alert: Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. So it's one of the books that I think about when it comes to mental illness, and even my personal experience with with mental illness. Uh, it's by the psychologist Viktor Frankl, and it's it's really one of my favorite all time books, if not my favorite. And the premise of the book is that having purpose and meaning in his life specifically is what got him through three years serving as a prisoner in Nazi concentration camps, which is powerful. I mean, you're reading this book, and here's a guy telling you what got him through it. And you kind of just have to tip your hat. You, you know, None of us know. If you're listening to this right now, you absolutely have no idea what it's like. I have no idea what that could be like. So for someone to say, this is what got me through the arguably the one of the worst experiences a human can go through, you kind of just have to say, okay, and I'm going to, I'm going to listen to this. So this, so his premise of having purpose and meaning is what got him through the most difficult time in his life and in maybe the most difficult time a human life can experience. This led him to developing the method he now calls logotherapy, which, as our friend Wikipedia tells us, is, quote, founded upon the belief that striving to find meaning in life is the primary, most powerful, motivating, and dri driving force in humans, rather than, the power or that, rather than power or pleasure, which was believed by uh, Nietzsche and Freud, respectively. So Nietzsche thought that... Uh, that power was the source, uh, the driving, motivating source in humans. Freud thought pleasure was. Uh, Frankel, Victor Frankel's thought is having 
that logotherapy or finding meaning in life is the most powerful and motivating tool we can have as humans. So rather than diving into mental illness headfirst, I wanted to ease into it with a topic that might get into to some of that, uh, the, some of those issues or, or conversations, and 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 made the topic on purpose, asking the question, the open-ended question to the group, of do we have callings, do we have a purpose, and if so, how do we go about finding it and and ultimately honoring it, taking it a step further. I also want to know if anyone has already discovered their purpose and and what it is and 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 how they did that, and when they did that. So getting into the discussion, one of the first things that was said was, quote, and I wrote this down, purpose of life is to make meaning, and the meaning of life is to make purpose. Now, I don't know if he made this up or if he quoted it from someone or if it was kind of like my quotes when they're 90% right, but I, I Googled it and nothing really specific came up, but... The way I interpret it is that we have a life and the purpose of it is to make meaning of that life. And the meaning of life is to make purpose of ourselves. Uh, It's kind of a circuitous way to discuss it, but I think it's a loop that makes sense. we, We need to meaningfully contribute to our world and to our lives. We need to make meaning out of monotony. Uh, that is so common. It, you know, for example, I, I just came across a story, a quote, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And so during a, during a visit to the NASA Space Center in, in 1962, President John F. Kennedy noticed a janitor carrying a broom. And he interrupted his tour, walked over to the man and said, Hey, I'm Jack Kennedy. What are you doing? And the janitor responded, well, Mr. President, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And this is kind of how I interpreted that quote, is that it's your day-to-day could be monotonous and could lack meaning, but it's your job to make meaning out of it and applying your individual work to the mission of something greater. Or to, so even something as, as, uh, as simple as cleaning, the act of cleaning, to, to extrapolate that, that action and say that you are helping put a man on the moon. I mean, you are. You are. Without a clean facility, without things operating well, they wouldn't be able to focus on their work. And so in a way, that, that's very much true. Uh, and I, that's how I interpreted that quote to whoever said that. You know who, who you are. If I mix that up, then let me know. Uh, someone followed up with probably my favorite contribution of the entire night, stating that, our purpose is ever-evolving because our world is rapidly evolving. And given that our purpose, you know, in their opinion, our purpose is ever-evolving, because, you know, if you, could, you could be a very successful data scientist, and you could be working for the CIA, but... You know, a hundred years ago, that's not your purpose, right? You're not a data scientist. You're not a. You're not. You might not even be working for the CIA, and maybe you being a data scientist is the only reason why you're involved with the government. And I like this because it's a malleable definition of purpose. And I didn't even get to the 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 main quote, but he said, 
because of this, I- acknowledging this fact that our, our world is rapidly changing and thus our purpose is ever evolving. Acknowledging this, this fact, but also acknowledging that we have purposes, he describes purposes as lanes, that we each have our own lane. And that lane is like a purposeful lane. And these lanes excite us. They make us happy. They fill us up with energy. They give us that feeling that we think of when we think of purpose. When you think of people who have purpose, people who are love what they do, have found themselves, they're passionate, they're energetic, they're, they're excited. They, have, they just have more life in them. And what makes this, this uh, contribution so important to me is that you know getting back to my first my initial question of you know do we have purpose how do we honor it how do we find it but also any of you have you found your purposes he said that he discovered his purpose at age five or six which i am extremely envious of i wish i was that in tune with myself and that i put myself in that position. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't honor it. Maybe if you listen to episode one, I had too many, too many magnets kind of pulling my, my compass dial away from my true north. But he said he found his purpose when he was five or six years old, and that purpose was to create in the physical sense and create in a way that serves people. And I love this concept. I love, first of all, that purpose is also pretty powerful, creating physically... Uh, he works for a, a real estate development company, has a background as an architect. And again, if you listen to, I think it was episode three. Yeah, I t- the question was, what, do you wanna, what did you want to be as a child when you grew up? And mine was an architect. So I heard this. I was like, fuck. I was like, that could have been me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I love this concept of lanes. And I've actually... You know, one of the first things I've ever written in my life was a concept of of um, of finding purpose, and 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 it was a visual that's similar to a lane. Uh, I'll eventually share that, or maybe you know, talk about it. But I love this, and it hit so close to home. I was asking him to like keep expounding, but this got into a conversation of purpose versus goals. How do we differentiate? Because, you know, for example, if I set goals, which I have to be a private equity partner by some arbitrary age, well, now fast forward years since I set that goal, that means nothing to me. That is by no means related to my purpose at all. And even at the time, it wasn't related to my purpose. It was just a goal. And uh, it was a goal that was completely unfounded and but the reason why I love his definition of purpose and 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 relating it to lanes is because our goals are going to change our goals are going to change but as long as we are in that lane it doesn't really matter as long as our goals are still within that that lane of what fulfills us what makes us happy what we feel like is our unique you know the purpose unique to us or the meaning that we instill in our lives and our actions, then your goals really should be like, they should be like bumpers. And think of like a bowling alley. Your purpose is that lane, lane number 18, whatever it is. Your purpose is lane number 18 versus 
you know, my brother's or sister's purpose might be lanes two and 700. And I would never want to be on lane two or 700. So my lane is 18. But the bumpers are, you know, they're the guiding lanes. But anywhere on that lane is a goal. And as long as my goals are in that lane, then I am working towards, I'm, I'm, I'm setting goals with purpose. So I think, you know, it, it, to make some action out of this, we need to first identify what our purpose is, or better yet, what is our lane? That's a much more doable thing because we think of purpose as like this, this, uh, like the top of a mountain, right? And we're trying to climb with that mountain, but in reality, it's a it's a path in a in a world of millions of paths. And then once we know what our lane is, we can set goals that work towards that lane within that lane in a loose sense. And then that's also helping us to not be set up for failure. You know, if you set a goal of of uh, an, an example that you know, financial goals are are very common, right? I want to be I want to have a hundred thousand in the bank by this age. I want to be a millionaire by this age. If you don't have 100000 in the bank by that age, or if you're not a millionaire by that age, well, you're going to be disappointed. But if you say, I want to be financially uh, free or not stress about my finances by this age, or I want to have, you know, there's, there's beauty to tangible goals, but there's also beauty in, in uh, things that are, are beyond the goal, the lane. What is the lane of finance? All right, so we want freedom, right? An arbitrary number might disappoint us if we don't achieve that. But if, or like a position, I want to be a partner of a private equity firm. Well, what do I really want to be doing? Because that's just a title that someone has created. Uh, private equity is an organization that has been formed by other people. So now my purpose is something that has only existed for, you know, I don't know the history of private equity, but if I imagine less than a, a century, and then someone mentioned, after we talked about lanes, Maslow's hierarchy of needs as it relates to self-actualization. So as a refresher, I know we all learned this in school, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a motivation psychology theory by Abraham Maslow, which described humans' needs in a five-tier model that looks like a pyramid. So before I get into each of the five tiers, the needs lower in the hierarchy must be met before we can attempt to climb up the pyramid. So from the bottom up, they include the base layer. It is a physiological needs. We need food. We need water. We need shelter. We need rest. Uh, and then from there, we need safety. So safety is security and just overall safety. Those are those two tiers of the pyramid, uh, physiological. Those two tiers of the pyramid, physiological food, water, shelter, rest, and then safety, you know, so overall safety and security. Those are what Maslow called, calls basic needs. These are just basic needs we need as a human. We can't begin to even think about something like purpose if we're thinking about where am I going to eat today or how am I going to eat today? How am I going to, uh, where am I going to sleep? Am I going to be safe? It's just psychologically, we can't even move on to the other tiers unless we have those accounted for. The next tier is belongingness and love. And these are intimate or interpersonal relationships, friendships, and uh, the meaning connectedness that we crave. 
and then the tier above that is esteem. And these are, uh, esteem includes prestige, feelings of accomplishment. This is the kind of, uh, you know, the, the dopamine hit you get when someone compliments you, when you see a nice title, uh, you get promoted to a better title. And these two tiers, so the first two basic needs, these next two tiers are psychological needs. These help our mental state. When we have interpersonal relationships, when we have good friendships, good romantic relationships, we feel like we're part of a community. When we feel accomplished, when we feel a little sense of esteem, these fulfill us in a psychological sense. And then the final tier, the tip of the pyramid, is self-actualization, which is achieving your full potential, purpose, and meaning attainment, which is what we're talking about. So it's also just good to take a step back and, and uh, you know, the fact that we are talking about self-actualization. And I, you know, I can't impose my, my views on anyone else, but like we, we're thankful, right, that we can even have a conversation about self-actualization, about purpose, and, and how we can find meaning. Though Thanksgiving is over, I think it's, I don't know, it's even just talking, saying this out loud is humbling. Anyway, this is, so this is where the conversation got very interesting because we started tossing around some open-ended questions that we really didn't have an answer to, but there are things like, okay, well, is purpose just a construct of our modern society? How much of purpose is influenced by our socioeconomic status? Uh, is it just a construct in our own minds? And these things are kind of, uh, even the, the lane theory that one of the discoers suggested. I mean, it's, and back to the data scientist example, like that's just a, it's a construct of our, of our society. And, and in many cases, it can be a construct of our, of our, of our own minds. So anyway, let's break those down in a, in a much easier way to discuss. So the first one is purpose, a construct of our modern society. This is exciting and immobilizing to think about. One could argue that purpose or our life meaning stems from our desire to feel wanted and, and needed and, and part of something greater now that we no longer wake up every day thinking about survival. Now, generally speaking, while we have still not solved our issues of poverty and hunger around the world, the average American wakes up thinking about maximizing utility and happiness rather than how, they're how they are going to get by. Even if you just live in America, you are in the top 1% of our world. Uh, but unfortunately, I think it's, uh, it's like 70% of Americans or so, I think it's more than that, I think it's 73% of Americans feel actively disengaged at work. So that means at least 70% of America does not feel purposeful in their career sense. And, and worse so for organizations, that means that 70% of employees, you know, extrapolating this to the micro level, are in a way sabotaging their business. They're not the people who want to be there, care to be there. And we don't even know the percentage of people who are actively sabotaging talking shit about people, ruining the culture from within, uh, writing shitty reviews about companies. So anyway, though this, as Viktor Frankl reminds us, isn't the only form 
that purpose or meaning can take, it is likely the most widely assumed reference. I mean, when we think about purpose, we think of careers. We don't think of our, you know, some people think of their purpose as, um, as having a family. And uh, I've actually been thinking about that more, <laughs> more recently. <laughs> Not specific to, to my girlfriend. Oh, man, I'm just, I'm just backing myself in this rabbit hole. I just mean in the sense that... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I should edit that out, but I'm I'm not going to. Uh, but <laughs> I, no, I meant it. I mean it in the sense that over Thanksgiving, I had some conversations with my parents that that basically left me thinking, "Wow, that is just a love I can't understand." Their love for me and for and again, I am very thankful to have parents like them. But their love for for me and my siblings is a love that I just don't have for anyone. And it's not like I'm some soulless, loveless creature. I love very hard, and I, I care deeply about the, those people I hold close to me. But I cannot fathom the love that they have. So what I meant by some people's purpose is to have a family... I can see that, you know, I've, I've actually struggled with the idea of getting married or having kids, and it's largely because of my current situation. I just am not, I'm still fo- figuring out my own shit. But now I'm thinking, like, man, if, well, if that's just a love that is so deep and profound and, and inexplicable or indescribable, well, then that's something I want to experience. So anyway... Not saying it's my purpose, but I can see how being a father could be my purpose or could be a part of my purpose. All right, so then the second sub question of purpose of how much of it is influenced by our, our socioeconomic status. And it's an unfortunate reality that those who are actively trying to make ends meet do not get to go to that self actualization tier. This really strengthens my opinion that we need to be sending resources to opportunity zones and impoverished areas, no matter which neighborhood money is flowing to. I mean, if you think about Chicago, there's always efforts to improve the Lincoln Parks, the Old Towns, the West Loops. But we want people, more and more people, out of those bottom two tiers, not worrying about their physiological needs or their safety. Getting, allowing themselves to get into the top three tiers, belongingness, relationships, esteem, and self-actualization. And I think everyone would agree that our world would be a much better, happier place if we could collectively, uh, if we could bring everyone out of those, or worrying about those bottom two tiers. And, And granted, this isn't so black and white. Maslow acknowledges the fact that you can fluctuate between needs. And once the need is met, then it goes away. But you can also go broke and, and go back to worrying about your physiological needs and your safety needs. And, uh, but generally, it kind of works like, you know, imagine you're in an elevator. And, or imagine you're walking up a stairwell. And maybe you're really, really out of shape, and it takes you a really long time to get past the second floors. But then you're... Once you're past there, you're, you're, you're past it, and you're still trying to go up. So now you're working your way up the third floor and the fourth floor and the fifth floor. So even though he acknowledges that 
once it's met, then it goes away. But if, regardless, if you're worrying about the deficiency needs, as he calls it, then you can't focus or, or pay as much attention on the growth needs or the self-actualization need. And that should be the goal of everyone is to, um, you know, and I, I say this lightly, obviously it's very difficult, but we should be helping ourselves and help others get to the growth needs, the, the third and fourth tier. And, you know, the goal is to have a world where everyone is focused on the self-actualization need. Uh, and that is a utopian state, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't see it as an impossible state. Uh, if you if you create a world where people aren't worrying about their shelter, their food, their safety, now they're worrying about uh, or focusing on growth, growing their relationships, growing their self-esteem, and taking those two um, on the foundation of having all their basic needs met to to figure out who they are and how they can add the most value to their lives and to the world around them. All right, so the third one. Is purpose just a construct of our own minds? <laughs> also kind of terrifying. Uh, because in in one way, it it technically is regardless, right? It's everything is a construct of our minds. Perception is everything. But this essentially begs the question of are these just stories we tell ourselves? Obviously, there's something. You know, there's something to doing something you enjoy. Like, I enjoy playing video games. But video games are not my purpose. But for some people, like Ninja or other professional gaming gamers, they, they see gaming as their purpose. And we can take the example of Viktor Frankl. His purpose, as he describes it, was to spread the word of logotherapy and help others leverage this tool to get through and accomplish anything. But is that not just a story he told to himself to justify his existence and to give him a a helping hand, a mental helping hand to get through his, his hard times? And I, I'm, I'm just being devil's advocate here. You know, he told himself that. If he didn't tell himself that, he might not have gotten through that terrible experience. And the answer to this is less of a question of yes or no, but rather if it matters or not. So if you weigh, if you weigh 300 pounds and you're very unhealthy, but then you tell yourself that your purpose is to run the fastest mile, in the same way that Victor Frankl told himself his purpose, you know, he also mentioned his family as well. But he said, it, you know, his purpose was to spread this idea of logotherapy and help people get through other hard times. But if you're 300 pounds and you tell yourself, or you're convinced that your purpose is to run the fastest mile in the world, and then you lose a ton of weight and do it, well, then obviously it doesn't matter if it's a story you tell yourself or not, because you've made it your purpose. And that's a pretty powerful statement that I don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> I, I think it's empowering to know that we can create our own purpose, that our, our society helps us form our purpose. And it's getting back to my friend, it's, it's about finding your lane rather than finding some finite point. And if you do find that finite point, like 
running the fastest mile in the world or spreading logotherapy, which isn't so finite, but who cares if it's a story you're telling yourself if you're doing it? And circling back to how this topic even came about, Frankel in his book tells us his story and attributes his perseverance to logotherapy and says that purpose and life meaning don't only help to get through tough times, but also make you a hell of a lot happier and healthier person. Studies have proven, and I had to look this up, and he this is described in his book as well, but I haven't read it in a while and, and had to kind of give it myself a refresher, but studies have proven logotherapy to help with mental illness, specifically depression, by helping people find meaning in their life. So if this is the case, how can we help people feel more purposeful? If that can move the needle even 5%, that's reduced depression in almost 20 million people worldwide. Think about that. If we can help people feel more purposeful. And I think in just that that description, more purposeful, it's not saying find their destiny. It's saying more purposeful. Help people find their lane that they can explore. That lane, you can shift all around throughout that lane, but as long as you're in that lane, you'll feel purposeful. And he, his lane is pretty broad, creating within the built environment to serve people. And you can go a number of ways with that. From a real estate standpoint, mixed use, commercial, office, industrial, hospice care, hospitals, universities. But it's the lane that's important. And if we can move that needle just a bit, I mean, those numbers are profound. And though I do not want to put the entire burden on our education system, you know, why, why, why don't they? I am going to put most of the burden on our education system. Why don't we talk about logotherapy? I don't feel like the concept of self-awareness was ever discussed in my schooling. And when I look at one of the beliefs I hold most strongly, it is being self-aware. It is being authentic. And this is something I continue to work on. But like reading, I can always do better. And I, I wish I got an earlier start. Uh, it, is, it is my opinion that we should be celebrating our uniqueness and matching that with, with potential roles or professions or industries or, or people that our uniqueness, our, our true north, our authentic selves pair well with. Not everyone felt as strongly as I did in the disco, but hey, that's just showbiz, baby. But then someone reminded us that the experiences are so antithetical to our unique lanes or life meanings are often the experiences that help us discover our purpose. You know, you hear the, the story of the company founder or, or activist or the singer who was working job X and then they hated it so much or had such a bad experience and decided to do Y and it just so happened that while they were doing Y, they came across Z, which ended up being their life purpose or their lane. And I find myself going back and forth between this, this, this dilemma. Uh, because on one hand, every experience is a good experience. That's something I learned right out of school, especially if you use it as a tool to help point you in the right direction. But then there's also the possibility that you could have found it faster and have achieved more growth or it led you to something that's even more purpose, purposeful 
had you been doing Y or even Z from day one versus starting with X. And there's a quote, I kind of want to look it up. I think it's, um, I'm going to look it up. Hang with me. Failures. I think it was Thomas Edison. Uh, yeah, so Thomas Edison. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Many of life's failures are people who, people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. And I love that because it's, it's basically, it's, uh, it's, it's supporting the, the it's, or it's actually making this more difficult uh, for me or, or for my beliefs on the education system. So on one end, the failures, the things that are the experiences that make you say, fuck that, are actually the ones that so, uh, so aggressively propel you to the things that you're going to say fuck yes to. So failure is good. It's, it's showing you it's, it's learning, it's showing you a, a, pointing you in a different direction, helping you find your true north. I will leave you with this question. If you found Z from day one, and again, X being your first experience, Y being the middle of the thing that that first experience led you to, and then Z being your, the experience that you associate with you as your life purpose. So I'll leave you with this. If you found Z from day one, is Z your current life purpose still your life purpose without the X and Y that came before it? So think about that. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. If you have my number or email, reach out to me directly. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Or if you follow the Instagram at openmindedchris, openmindedchris, shoot me a message or a comment. I haven't been posting lately. I'm thinking about deleting Instagram, which would be the last of my social mediums. It's just, it's a huge distractor. I thought it would be a good tool to keep, to like kind of create a platform for people to connect, but then everyone wanted a private LinkedIn group. So moral of the story is, I don't know, not to get into social media right now, because I said I was going to leave you with that question, but I'm questioning why, like what value is it adding to my life? I think it does. The thing that I like the most about it is that I feel like you get a good cultural pulse. It's really the way I keep up with like why diverse current events. I don't have a Twitter I don't have Facebook. So it's like a way I can keep a pulse on what's happening out there as I explore my internal worlds and my own endeavors. But from a social standpoint, it doesn't really add much to my life. Memes. Memes are the other thing. They are really entertaining. And I think there's something there. Someone, I, I should just look this up. I'm sure there's someone has had to have analyzed memes, but memes are a cultural phenomena. They, they really are. Like for a picture with like one or two lines of text being something that millions of people can be like, oh my gosh, 
yes, this just hit it on the head. This is me. This is totally me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. All right. Well, think about that question. If you found your current life purpose or if you, if you found what you could call your current life purpose from day one, could you have even found that without the things that led to it? So the question I ask myself, I think it has to do with the education system too. You know, if we promote levels of self-awareness and help people graduate with an idea of their true north and mind, is that going to lead to greater outcomes? Well, that you know, or is it the experiences, the failures? that are so far in the opposite direction that eventually lead us to our true, authentic norths. Thank you again for listening. It means a lot. Uh, thanks for your patience as I try to balance my existing responsibilities with this new one that to me is important. And I, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy it as, uh, as much as I enjoy creating these. Mm-hmm.